What will you do on the one year anniversary of Harvey? I don't like that day. Hey friends, thanks for listening in on this special episode of Conversations with Correa. This is the last of three special episodes focusing on the historic flood sparked by Hurricane Harvey. It devastated Houston in August 2017. These are three episodes, three unique perspectives on the unforgettable natural disaster. We started the series with the big picture. Two Houston police officers who happened to be married talked to me about what it was like to organize rescues and reorganize the fourth largest city in the country. The second episode featured Larry and Jackie Sklar, the Sklars, the couple who invited more than 100 people into their home when those people had nowhere else to go. You can find those podcasts right now on my SoundCloud, iTunes, or Apple podcast page. I invite you to listen to them. They're pretty good, in my opinion. As for the final episode in this special Harvey series, it is hyper-focused. It's the story of Elaine Maxwell, a superwoman, a woman who probably doesn't realize her own strength. She rode out Harvey well. Let's let Elaine share the details. My name's Elaine Maxwell. I live in Dickinson, Texas. How long have you lived in Dickinson? Oh, let's see. I got married in 95, since 95. (laughs) (laughs) What do you love about it? Was Dickinson an acquired taste for you since this is when you moved over? I moved here because I loved my husband and we got married. (laughs) (laughs) Where did you live before? Uh, I lived in South Houston. Yeah. Big difference. Mm -hmm. How would you describe Dickinson to people who don't come here often? I like the small town feel. And it's, it's lots and lots of pine trees everywhere and bird sanctuary. And I just love it here. Dickinson, Texas, was named for John Dickinson, original. <laughs> a guy who, in 1824, got a land grant from Mexico for the area just north of the present-day city. Settlers moved in around 1850 along the shores of Dickinson Bayou. Creative. And by 1860, Dickinson was a stop along the Galveston-Houston Railroad. As of 2010, about 18,000 people called Dickinson home, including Elaine and her family. Ever any problem in Dickinson? Ever an experience here that gave you pause or concern? Uh, well, we flooded during Ike, so, you know, and then... Um, What, nine years later, we flooded again. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a big concern. Um, uh, We might might retire and move to Michigan in about five years. So hopefully it won't do anything between now and then. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yes. You're talking about moving, getting out of Dodge, so to speak, in five years. Why? What was the experience during Harvey like for you? pretty traumatic. I got trapped in the attic for 16 hours with my autistic son, and um, he's, he doesn't deal well with change at all, so it was uh, very stressful, uh, just unbelievable. I mean, I, th- I really thought we were going to die. I thought it was a Katrina situation, you know, that the water was going to keep rising into the attic, and, and it did in the houses at the end of the street. It got all the way to the roof. So I was really nervous. I mean, I, I had no idea, you know, that um, 
I don't know. I just, <laughs> I hate reliving it. You know, my blood pressure is going up right now just talking about it. Elaine's eyes are moving all around the house there. <laughs> the eye contact is difficult to make, I think, when you're talking about something like this. Um, what was the week leading up to Harvey like for you? Well, um, I guess I was watching the news and I saw that it was, you know, supposed to head this way and they were talking like 25 inches of rain and I already knew it was going to flood when they said that. I just said, this is it, this is it, it's all over now, you know, uh, and boy was I right. <laughs> um, no, I, I just knew it and my husband had to go to Michigan because his dad passed away during this time and he had to go to the funeral with, and he went with my daughter and he left me home with Robbie. And so you and your son who um, is on the autism spectrum, how old is he and what's his name? His name's Robbie and he's 18. And so he was 18 at the time? No, he was 17. He was 17 at the time. So it's the two of you? You know, it happened so fast. I mean, the water was at my ankles and then five minutes later it was to my knees. It happened, it was coming up fast. Was it overnight Saturday? Was the sun already up on Sunday? No, it, it happened Saturday night. Um, Saturday night, August 26th, 2017. Rain started falling across Houston, like hardcore. Communities south of Houston were the first to flood. Dickinson is about 30 miles south of Houston. A scroll through my old text messages between me and my news director reminded me the rain was relentless as early as 8.53 p.m. Saturday night, and the rain wouldn't stop until Tuesday afternoon. I want to say I started getting prepared about 10 o'clock when the roof started leaking. And I started putting buckets everywhere. And then I looked out the window and I said, these buckets aren't gonna do any good because the water's already halfway up the window, you know, <laughs> above the windowsill. And, and then it started coming in. As soon as I looked out the window, that's when it started rushing in. And that's when I started grabbing my son's medicine, dry clothes, my phone, you know, everything, charger, everything I could think of. And um, I walked around in the nasty water as long as I could, but the furniture was getting shoved up against me. The, the couch pinned me against the wall. It was like a raging river. Because when you talk about the water rushing in, so first you're dealing with leaks coming from the roof. So you hear a pitter patter. Also Saturday night, the rain was a roar. It was so loud. Yeah. Um, and it was so strong the rainfall that it looked white outside yeah it did it was strange and so when the water finally made its way into your home and you talk about a raging river was the water so strong it pushed your door open how was the water coming in your home it's coming underneath the foundation the baseboards it's coming in everywhere like that it's no my my door um i have a double key deadbolt because my son is a runner you know he'll take off and We've had to have the police bring him home. You know, that's how <laughs> you turn your back for a second, he's gone. So I had, oh, and we had the windows screwed shut because he'll escape out of the windows too. So you so had I was home trapped. built for the safety of your son. Yes, yes. Uh -huh. But the, the flip of it was you were stuck. We were trapped. I, and I, when, and the, and the, <sighs> I was hurrying to get everything gathered and I ended up dropping my keys in the water. 
and the water was already waist high. The keys for the door. The keys for the front door. Because I was thinking about just getting outside so somebody could, you know, I heard the airboats out there. I thought maybe an airboat. Already on Saturday night. You could yeah. Oh, boats. yeah, yeah. There was already airboats out, yeah. I mean, it might have been one in the morning, though. It was about one in the morning when I... But you dropped the that's keys. That's when I dropped my keys. It didn't happen right away before I went up to the attic. It happened later because I had to come down a couple of times because... Because my dog was down here and my cats were down here. So by the time, so when the, how high did the water get in your home when you decided you had to go up in the attic? It was chest high. How tall are you, Elaine? Five, four. So it was close to five feet high, the water in your home? Uh, About four feet, something like that. Yeah. My husband measured it. I think he said 53 inches, something like that. I don't remember. Um. All I know is where it was on me, you know, when I was walking around in it. And at the time when you're walking around in this water that's up to your chest, how is your son who has autism? What's he doing? He's never seen anything like it. And, you know, all he was concerned about was finding his watch because he's obsessed with time and finding and getting his video games out of his room. And then he had artwork. You know, he likes to color and draw pictures and stuff and he was in there getting all his wet drawings and taking them up in the attic and laying them out down to dry up in the attic poor robbie he was just obsessed with the stuff in his room and he kept going down the stairs and going in his room he was in his room for an hour mucking around in that water just trying to save whatever just trying to save whatever he could save and i said and he was freezing he was shivering you know and and you have to let him right I did. You have to let him. And the, until he couldn't take it anymore, and he came up there and he laid down yeah. all wet, you know. I never got his artwork down out of the attic. <laughs> We're doing the podcast in Elaine's home, which is under construction. <laughs> what is that like? Freaking out, panicking, going into an emergency mode when you're by yourself and you're having to worry about someone who isn't fully capable of understanding what's going on. What is that I was like? saying God helped me a lot, and my son is pretty much nonverbal, and he was saying God help me because I was saying it, and he was saying it loud. <laughs> it was, you know, it was amazing that he was saying that. Um, and so the water is up to your chest. The furniture is swooshing around your home just like we would imagine massive amounts of flooding you all go up into your attic with that kroger bag of dry clothes your documents medication and then what do you do well i was on my phone on facebook and then you know i was trying to preserve you know my battery and um so i was on my kindle and but then I had to I cut the power off because you know I was afraid of being electrocuted, so I cut the power off. So then we didn't have internet anymore. So I was you know just using my phone with the cell tower, and um, then my phone was dying on me, and I was trying to get the word out that I needed to be rescued, and so nobody knew if I got rescued or not. Yeah. Nobody, they didn't have any idea because my phone died. For the people who weren't in the Houston area during Carvey, social media likely saved a lot of lives. One, because people were posting in their neighborhoods 
the conditions, which I think kept a lot of people from trying to get out in the middle of the night or early in the morning, people were able to post and say, listen, don't go down this street. It's flooded this and that Mm -hmm. people hunkered down for the most part, but two people used social media to ask for help Mm -hmm. and send boats and do all of this stuff. It sort of worked like a digital walkie talkie Mm -hmm. online web walkie talkie and so you go on your facebook page and you post that you and your son are trapped in the attic and the comments are i mean i was in a panic i i I thought i was i mean i really thought i was saying goodbye to everybody basically you know it was nice knowing you you were a great friend great neighbor you know and then they were freaking out because i was freaking out and so every all my friends started calling the dickinson police department and you know trying to get somebody to come to my address to rescue me and telling them that i'm trapped in my attic with my autistic son and she has no way to get out and you know so i didn't i mean i kept hearing airboats all day long and 16 hours and i kept and i and i you know I, i was telling people before my phone went dead i was telling people Oh, there's there's the airboat. I think they're coming to rescue me. And then, boom, my phone went dead. So they assumed, some of them assumed that I got rescued. Yeah. But then they never heard from me again, so they didn't know. So then they're panicking and saying, you need to go and check and see if she's been rescued. And yeah. It was chaotic. Very and in chaotic. the 16 hours you're up, up in the attic, once your phone died, what are you doing? I finally just prayed to God that I could just go to sleep and and wake up and be somewhere else, you know? And both of us fell asleep, you know? I think we fell asleep about four or five o'clock in the afternoon, and we didn't wake up till 9.30 at night when they were busting down the door, and you know, the Cajun Navy came, and they kicked, they kicked in this big window right here, and that's hard to break. Yeah. That's a window world, windows. Those are hard to break. Yeah, because for, for the people who are listening, they may say, okay, you don't have the keys, to unlock your windows, you drop the keys for your door in the water. Why didn't you break a window? With what? I was in I was in a state of shock. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, I was like hyperventilating, you know. Yeah. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't think, I, nothing. I mean, it was to the point that you all went up in the attic and then later on in those 16 hours you were telling me Elaine like your son was hungry. You were hungry. You'd been oh, in there yeah. for 16 hours. Yeah. And the way you found food. Oh, yeah. I looked down the attic, you know, looked down to see how high the water was. I kept looking down there constantly, and I saw a bag of Tostitos floating by. So I went down the ladder. From your and pantry. I gra- yes. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> Somewhere from my kitchen. And so I grabbed it, and then... A few minutes later, I saw um, a 24-pack of bottled water floating down the hallway. So I went down there and I grabbed that. And that's still up in my attic right now, too. The 24 (laughs) bottle of water. I have not been up in my attic, and I will not go up there. Uh Uh-uh. It was scary. Very scary. I can't go up there. When you heard the door pound in. I was asleep. I woke up. And I went, I'm up here, I'm up here, thank God. You know, and so I, they helped me. I was trembling. So they helped me down the stairs, and they helped Robbie down the stairs. When you saw your neighborhood for the first time. Oh, yeah. What did you see? Ooh, I was, I was in shock, and so was Robbie. 
because we got on that airboat, and I mean, it, it was shocking to Robbie, just the noise, okay? Was the airboat full with other people, or were you the no, only it was, ones? No, it was just us. So you yeah. come out, you'd been in the attic where you could hear airboats, you could mm-hmm. hear choppers, you could hear rain, but you couldn't see anything. No. You know your house has at least 50 inches of water in it, mm-hmm. so you come down, you wade the water down from the attic, these Cajun Navy guys guide you to their airboat, mm-hmm. and then what do you see? We see water all the way to the top of the cars. And we lost both of our cars in the driveway. Yeah. I mean, it was all the way to the top of the car. Mm -hmm. I saw houses where the water was all the way to the roof line. Five houses from my house. You know, that little brown house on the end of the street, that has major structural damage. Can you look at houses today and still see water up to the roof line or is it one of those things that you're just baffled at how water was up to the roof yeah of a single story every home? day when i go out in my car and i drive down maple street right across the road here and see all the vacant houses just one after another after another that haven't even started on their house it just, were you the last one of your neighborhood rescued the last one on the street pretty much yeah yeah Pretty much. 9.30 at night. And so they just took you and Robbie. You were the only ones on the airboat at that time. Um, Yeah, they took us straight to City Hall. Yeah. So, no, there wasn't anybody else on the airboat with us, no. It it was weird. I mean, there were still people being rescued trickling in during the night, but most of them had already been. And what was Robbie like working with strangers, getting on a boat, doing all of that? (sighs) He cried a little bit, you know, when he was up in the attic, he cried. And I couldn't, you know, I, I just kept telling him, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, they're going to come and get us. Why don't you just close your eyes and go to sleep? Just just take a little nap. And he did. <laughs> and I did too. And uh, that was probably the best thing for me because we were up all night once we got for to the sure. shelter. For sure, I mean, it allowed your mind to rest. I don't know what you would have done if you didn't sleep. Well, they took us to City Hall because they didn't have a shelter set up in Dickinson, and that was that was the shelter was City Hall. And so, thank God we got a nap because there were so many people there. That was Sunday night. Yeah, nobody could sleep. You know, dogs were there. I mean, it, it was crazy. And at what point in time were you able to get cell service to call your husband and your family, and what was that conversation like? Well, first I had to charge my phone when I got to City Hall. I had my charger, had my phone. And that, you know, that took 30 minutes or so. And then I, I called everybody and told them where I was. Put, I posted on Facebook. Yeah. And um, my daughter, um, she's 22, Chrissy, um, her old Girl Scout troop leader um, were friends on Facebook. And she saw what was going on. And she just showed up at City Hall and said, you and Robbie are coming to my house. Thank God, because they were just getting ready to ship me to George R. Brown Convention Center. Which was at least 40 minutes away. And in thousands, Houston. thousands of people there. And Robbie. 11,000 people oh, it ended up being at that shelter. Robbie would have gotten lost in there. I mean, he would have lost his mind, you know, because he can't handle all that noise. So that was a blessing. So you stayed with this family friend? We stayed this- with her for four months until we got the FEMA trailer. For four Four, Four months. months. And not just our family, but she took in another Dickinson family. This one woman. And, and all the Does animals. Does she live in a mansion? 
She lives in Clear Lake, and she lives on higher ground where her house didn't flood. But does she have enough space for everyone? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it started closing in on us after about four months. Yeah. It felt really small. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, there was 10 animals and 10, 10 adults staying there. It was crazy. In a regular home. In a regular home, yeah. And so it took you four months to get a FEMA trailer, mm-hmm. which a year after Harvey is still in your front yard. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why is it still in your front yard? Because our contractor, he's really good, and we're really happy with him. And, but he has other houses that he's doing in Dickinson, so ours isn't the only one. And so we're just we're being patient, you know. We're it's going to get done, and we have until February, you know. That's when FEMA wants their trailer back. They're giving us till February next year. So. Do you think people are surprised that there are so many people whose homes are still under construction? Oh, there's this house across the street over here. They haven't even started. I mean, I don't even think they've gutted their house yet. Because it's just full of mold. Because they're insurance and stuff, yeah, right? Right, or don't have insurance. This lady next door and to me have didn't have insurance. Nope. And she's living with mold and everything next door, too. Did you all have a flood insurance? Yes, thank God. After Ike? Mm-hmm. You have to carry it when you have a mortgage. You know, you have to have it. So, thank God. Thank God we had insurance. What's it like driving through Dickinson. Dickinson took a beating. It is the word I have when I drive through Dickinson is sad. It's very sad. I see all the homes that people just packed up and left, you know, or they tore it down and just, you know, left a vacant lot, just tore it down and left. Yeah. And this community that you've loved so much since 1995 Mm -hmm. with the pine trees and the community. Yes. And the beautiful park right behind my house back here, Paul Hopkins Park. You know, I love, you know, going, going for walks over there. I haven't been since Harvey. You know, I haven't been out. It's too depressing to walk around and see all the damage, you know. A lot of your life, Elaine, has stopped yeah. because of Harvey. You won't go to the that park. Mm-hmm. You haven't gone to the attic. Yeah. You, you know... Even being in this house right now, I mean, when we interviewed, we interviewed you for a story on Channel 11. That's how I came across you a few months ago. It was even tough being in back in your house. Yes. Yeah. My blood pressure would just shoot up sky high. I have to actually just get out. I have to go in, you know, into the trailer. I, I couldn't even stay in here five minutes. What does it feel and, like? What do you hear? Do you have flashbacks? Walk me through. It's getting better. It's getting it's better. It's PTSD though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was diagnosed with that. Yeah. <laughs> PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD often comes up in conversations about military veterans, right? According to the Mayo Clinic, PTSD is a mental health condition that's triggered by a terrifying event, either experiencing it or witnessing it. Symptoms can be like flashbacks, nightmares, or severe anxiety, along with uncontrollable thoughts about the event. If the symptoms get worse or last for several months and affect your day, well, you may have PTSD. PTSD linked to a natural disaster is a very real thing. To the point the federal government created a national disaster distress helpline. Crisis counselors man the hotline 24-7, 365 days a year. 
It's dedicated to providing immediate crisis counseling for people who are experiencing emotional distress related to any natural or human-caused disaster. The number is 1-800-985-5990. Or you can text Talk With Us. That's all one word, Talk With Us, to the number 66746. A lot of people likely suffer from PTSD from Harvey. 16 hours in an attic. How could you not? I believe my son is suffering from it too, and I think that's why he's having problems at school. It's And it's harder for him because you can talk to a therapist. It's nearly impossible for him to do that, right? Right. He can't talk, you know. He can't communicate his feelings, so he acts out. And the teachers are really patient. They understand what he's been through. They're very patient. So, I mean, I thought they were not even going to let him get in this program this year. Yeah. But they, they're they being very patient and telling me, no, no, we want him. He needs this program. We, we want him here. What's it like when it rains? Hmm. It, well, like y'all had all the rain. Houston had a lot of rain last week, but we didn't get that rain. I mean, I'm, I maybe a little bit, but not the thunder and the lightning. Right, the like the storming. No, we didn't get that, thank God. Um, when I hear that rain, um, I can hear a certain, there's certain noises when I know it's raining in that trailer. And um, yeah, I can't sleep. I'll just wake up and I'll start reliving it. I'll start trembling. What are you afraid will happen if you do try to sleep during the rain? I don't know. I, I wish I knew. I guess it'll get better. Yeah. I am I am, am I the only are there other people that feel like this or is yeah, it just me? Everybody, I think I think after Harvey when it rains hard, especially when there's street flooding, which unfortunately is normal yeah. in a city dubbed the Bayou City. Mm-hmm. You know, it has the all of these bayou systems that tend to fill and there's just such low lying areas as we get closer to, you know, the beach with Galveston. I think that freaks people out Mm -hmm. there's blue light blue paint on the walls the trim's starting to come in she's got this beautiful quartz countertop in her kitchen will this feel like home when it's done will you be okay here when the when it's done it'll feel like a different home because they did some structural changes they knocked this wall out right here this wall that was like that. Uh-huh. So this is an open concept now. <laughs> so it, it feels it'll, different. It, it'll feel different. It, it, it's just going to be different. Now the backyard is the same. Um, what, will it, what will it be like when you have a street view again? Because we're currently we're looking out the front of her door that this window right at the, technically supposed to be the front of your house, Elaine, but it's a view of the FEMA trailer. Yes. It takes up my whole entire front yard. What will it be like? And you know, God bless the fact that you have a big yard because some people right. didn't qualify for the FEMA trailer because the yard's not big enough. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We feel very blessed for that. And we were able to get the the large one, you know. Yeah. Uh, some people only got the the two bedroom. Well, we got the three bedroom, and so, I mean, that was really a blessing. Com- I mean, and it's it's so big compared to where we were staying in Clear Lake. Yeah. We had one little bedroom, and that's where we lived in that bedroom. So for the, four the trailer's gone. Yeah. So. What would that be like? 
it'll be nice because I think getting out and working in the, in the yard again would be good therapy. Yeah. And God knows it needs it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's still trash in my front flower bed from Harvey. The fact that you have flood insurance, the fact that you were rescued just in the nick of time, the fact that you made it to this Dickinson shelter and somebody came and got you and gave you a place to stay. You've got the trailer. Your house is under construction. Do you think God heard you a yes. year ago when you said, please help me? God help me. God help me. I, I, could, I said it a hundred times. Do yeah. you see that like this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I... I when we fell asleep, you know, I, I knew that we weren't going to be in the attic forever. And I watched the water, and it stopped. It didn't keep coming up. So I knew we were going to survive. I knew we were okay. And that, I think that's why I was able to close my eyes and take a nap. Yeah. And I said, eventually somebody will come. I just know it. And I told Robbie that. He understands what I say. He just can't talk. Talk back. Right. So, um, but to hear the airboats, I mean, and not, you couldn't see out, right? The airboats and the helicopters. You could just hear and the rain. Yeah. And so you could just hear all the commotion without any way of flagging anyone down. It's not like your attic has a window. I tried to yell down through the eaves of the, you know, the attic out here. Yeah. But there was no way you could hear the the rain and the airboats and the helicopters. And it would just pour down rain like crazy. And then it would completely stop. And then here comes the airboats. They only would, would rescue people when it wasn't raining. So there was like just constant noise all day long. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was wild. The open concept kitchen is one change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the after, best. The after, best. <laughs> I know. After living through Ike and living through Harvey, is there anything that... In case of a hurricane in the next five years before you move to Michigan, is there anything you will do differently? I think I need to invest in one of those um, rafts, you know, those great big, huge yeah. blow-up rafts. Yeah. We joke about needing one of those in Houston when you move here, but really it could be life-changing. And an axe. <laughs> I would definitely beat the door down with the axe yeah. if I had access to one. Yeah. Did you ever find those keys? Yes, we did. Yes, and I saved them. I've got them in the kitchen drawer in there, and they're the nastiest-looking keys you've ever seen. Where did you find them? Whatever was in the water ate the chrome off of the keys. Yeah. We, I found them right where I dropped them. But you couldn't, in the muck, feel around for them I with your shoe. My, I did my foot around trying to find them, but I never did hit them with my foot, or I would have grabbed them with my toes, you know. But Maybe you weren't supposed to go out with the water that high. That's what I was thinking, yeah. It was a way to stop you. Because if I had, I would have been swept away. You would have been swept away, and then what would have one of my cat, down? One of my cats was swept away. We still haven't found him. That's, that's another sad story. <laughs> your dog, though. They would let me take the dog to the shelter. He's barking. <laughs> but they wouldn't let me take my cat. We had to leave one of the cat. Well, I left both cats here, but one of them floated out the door that they kicked down. And the other one stayed in the bedroom for three days until we came back to the house. Oh, my God. After the water went down, she Poor. stayed in the same spot for three days. How were the dog and the cat when it rains? Oh, they were pretty messed up. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, there. I, I think my cat even has PTSD. Because dogs already freak out with thunder. Yeah, she's. She, yeah, she does. She does freak out whenever there's lightning. She can see it through the window and the thunder. Yeah. She's um. But she's okay. <laughs> she's not as messed up as me. <laughs> you're not. I, I think you're just. You just experienced something that. A lot of people don't. Right. You experience something that one a lot of people don't want to. You know what? What? How I make myself feel more grateful when I'm on my pity pot? Mm-hmm. I think of the people in California that lost everything in the fires. You know, everything was burned up and it's gone. Where you know we were able to save some stuff. Yeah. And we still have a house that we have to rebuild, but we still have a house. There's so, so many I, people. I start getting grateful when I think of it that way. You know, and then that just snaps me right out of it. Did anything in the days immediately after Harvey snap you out of it? Because depending on who you ask, there were so many little godsends. The Astros and the World Series. Yes, J.J. Yes. Watt and $30 million. Just people from other states coming in and sending us stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, like, every anything, day. Every day. Specific? Some... Do you remember anything specifically that just would bring you joy? Well, I remember this man just showed up on our doorstep. He was from San Diego, and he was down here with a, a co-worker, and they wanted to help a Dickinson family. What can we do to help? And I said, well, gee, I, I, don't, I don't know right now. We, we, <laughs> we were like, anything would help, anything at all. They said, well, you know, how many kids you have? You know, we told them all about Robbie told him what Robbie lost, you know, he lost his piano, his piano was on its side, you know, that was his favorite thing in the world, lost his trampoline, you know, all these things, and he said what he was going to do when we got our house rebuilt and we moved back in, he's going to send us a, a gift card so that we can get Robbie the things that he lost. Is that nice or what? It's amazing. It is. I mean, and na- your neighbor's because there were parts of Dickinson, while a majority of the community was affected, right. there were parts that weren't. And it was so incredible. The neighbors, these mom groups, just the community mm-hmm. came by. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Oh, all day long. Domino's pizza. They were bringing this pizza. And that seems so silly. Yeah. But the thing that people need to remember is when the water receded, homeowners like yourself, Elaine, were working sun up to sundown. For and months. so months for and months. months and so for people to come by with a hot meal mm-hmm. when you it was either like put everything down leave your home and go get something to eat or keep working right and yeah. people would come and check on you and mm-hmm. and bring you water and cleaning supplies and just anything or ask you what you need and they go get it for you I mean, they came and got our laundry, our dirty laundry, our nasty Harvey water laundry, and took it to their house and did it for us and brought it back on hangers, you know? <laughs> Does that stuff make you cry? Did it make you cry? It's making me get teary-eyed right now thinking about it, yeah. I forgot that people were doing people's laundry. Yeah. So someday, I want to do that. I want to pay it back, pay it forward, you know? I want to do that someday. Yeah. If I'm able, you know. Yeah. Was there ever a moment in that while Robbie is still struggling? um, Was there ever a moment in that cleanup when 
a stranger came up to him or he was interacting with people that you thought, okay, maybe my son will be okay? Hmm. You know what? That's funny that you asked that because when we were over at Deborah's house, um, you know, staying in with Clear her in Clear Lake, um, you could not tell that what he had gone through. He was so happy over there because he loves to play the piano and he had all these people to perform for. Every, <laughs> every night at 9 o'clock. A new audience. A new audience, yeah. Every night at 9 o'clock he was playing his concert piano you know I mean he taught himself how to play he's a savant he taught he knows he's been playing since he was three years old so and he was happy over there he was so happy over there yeah so and the but it was all when we got back over here that's when everything was different and I think it brought back memories you know like there was a big um when we came back over here, we, we had that big pile of trash on our curb for a long time before they finally came and hauled it all away. Right. And when the first time Robbie saw that pile of stuff, he lost it. Because it's his stuff. It was his stuff, yeah. And he just he yelled it really loud. All the neighbors could hear him. He said, he, he can talk a little bit. He repeats what he hears out of videos. Uh-huh. So he took this little saying from one of his little comfy couch. I don't know if you remember, you remember that cartoon called The Comfy uh-huh. Couch? You know, where she'll come in the room and she'll say, who made this big mess? Well, that's what he said out in the middle of the front yard. And I started laughing so Harvey. hard. I, that's what I said. <laughs> I said, Hurricane Harvey made this big mess, you know. And, and then he started pulling all his stuff out, his furniture, yeah. you know, his video games or whatever he could find that was his. When you're going through stuff and figuring out what goes in that trash pile and what can be salvaged is that a lesson in control and surrender or what because there were so many homes in the days immediately after people who would let us profile what it was like as they were going into their homes for the first time Mm -hmm. and harvey was a complete and utter lack of control you had no control over the water coming in your home when you're going to be rescued that sort of thing but to watch people want to hold on to stuff that's clearly covered in mold that clearly my won't husband, dry out my husband was that way yeah just me i told him i don't want it if it has harvey on it i don't want it you surrendered it all go to go as it goes to the curb I yeah said, what do you want me to do with this take it to the curb i could tell it everything i mean the curtains that were hanging up everything get rid of it I didn't but your it. husband who didn't he, live through he, it he wasn't here he was in michigan and so he so wanted to save. He wanted to save his albums. You know, he had an album collection. And I mean, I can see that, but they were covered in slime and mold and stuff. And he had them all laid out in the front yard to dry in the sun and uh, all kinds of stuff. And I, you know what? I couldn't handle it. All the stuff that I saw laying around everywhere that we were going to save. And on not all, because it's not only your pile. It's your entire street. Yeah. Unfortunately, Elaine, you live at the end of your block. Right. <laughs> and so in order to come in or come out, you had to pass everyone's piles. Yes. And we had the biggest pile on the street. We had we looked like major hoarders and I mean I mean it wasn't perfect, but it was home, you know, and gone. Yeah. But I see life a whole different way now. I How mean, do you see it? that you don't need things to be happy. I mean, it's all, it can all be replaced. Every bit of it. Even my pictures that got ruined. Other family members have those same pictures and send them to me. 
So, you know. What was the holidays like? Speaking of stuff, does it matter? Uh, I, I was in a major funk. I was stressed out. I, I don't think I, a lot of people celebrated Christmas or Thanksgiving. And, and the days leading up to Christmas, I'd done this story about this girl, Betsabi. She was eight at the time, and she wrote Santa a letter asking for a new roof mm. because it had been damaged by Harvey. Wow. And so I called my mom and I said, listen, I don't really feel comfortable buying Christmas gifts for everyone this year. Instead, I'm going to, you know, get some stuff for this family, donate around town, because that just felt like the right thing to do. that's awesome. But I don't think anybody just, in in Houston, the Mm -hmm. mood of holiday shopping just... Yeah. Why buy a sweater when people need carpet? Exactly. We didn't celebrate Christmas. We really didn't. I mean, we didn't yeah. exchange gifts. And now we did for Robbie because Robbie, you know, he's like a child. And yeah. I mean, well, he is my child, but you can't. Like a little boy. He, you can't not have Christmas with Robbie. For him. Yeah. But, yeah, it was totally different this year or last year. Yeah. What else has changed since Harvey? Or what else do you find matters or doesn't matter? Do you communicate more with your family? Do you have a... Do you do anything different? Do you say anything differently? Do you? I, this is bad, but I I gave up Facebook. After I, all of the help. <laughs> no, isn't that terrible? January, I, my New Year's resolution, I, I just got off. I still get on there and read everybody's comments, but I don't comment. I don't like. You know, I don't click on like. The vibe I, has changed. I I can't get on there and pretend that I'm happy, happy, and got all this going on in my life, and just pretend, because I've been going through a major depression. I've been off and on of antidepressants. I'm off of them right now. Yeah. I don't like the way they make me feel. They're not helping me, so why take them? They weren't helping me at all. I felt like but a zombie. But you just didn't feel like you were on the wavelength of everybody else on social Maybe media. Maybe that'll change later on, but you know what? I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say that. Yeah. My life was fine before Facebook, and it'll be fine after Facebook. You know, I I don't feel the need to be to, on it all the time. To be on it all the time. I do like to get on there and see what other people are doing. Yeah. But you know, or do you know? I don't know. Yeah, I get what you mean. Do you ever feel that way? Absolutely. Okay. Well, then I feel I don't feel. You are not too bad alone, then. and I'm sure people listening are like, "Amen, Elaine." <laughs> One thing that was really popular on social media and still is are these hashtags that have been synonymous with mm-hmm. Harvey. Dickinson Strong. Oh, yeah. Houston yeah. Strong. What do those mean to you, if anything? I'd like to have one of those Dickinson Strong t-shirts. Yeah, I earned it. Yeah, I did. I'm still here. <laughs> what does that mean to say Dickinson Strong? The ones that stayed here were pretty strong, you know, to stay here. I mean, that's a lot of trauma here, a lot of cleanup. And I can see why people packed up and got the hell out of here. But What do you want people to know if they're not from Houston, if they didn't flood as we approach this anniversary? And what do you want people to remember? <sighs> Just how much good came out of it, you know. There's... So, so many people just, I feel really blessed to live down here because people are just so willing to help in any way that they can. And 
just, I'm amazed. I just, it blows me away every time I think about everything we've been through and how much help we've had. And, and we never asked for help. Not once. We never asked anybody for help. They just offered. Yeah. Just strangers come up and knock on the door, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's just, all I can say is, you know, this, this is a great place to live down here. It really is. There's jobs down here, and the people are great, but you just have to deal with the water <laughs> and the do storms. Think, do you think people in Dickinson are sick of talking about it? I think it's good therapy. Yeah, we're sick of talking about it. But it's good therapy. Yeah, it is. If you could talk to Harvey, if Harvey was a person, what would you tell him? Mm, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. <laughs> Have you cursed Harvey? I was not raised to talk that way. <laughs> <laughs> this is a PG podcast. Okay. <laughs> I won't say Her eyes word. did get big, though. But you've had a message or two in the past for this storm, this historic, memorable storm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big wake-up call. Just big time. Yeah, I, you know, they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, I don't feel it yet. I mean, I know that it's true because I lived through Ike and came out stronger from that. And Well, you did it. You did 16 hours in an attic with your son, and you came out on the other side. I'm doing better. I'm able to come in my house now, and look how long I've been sitting in here. This is the longest I've been in here ever in the past year, sitting here with you. Thank you so much for talking to me. You're welcome. Thank you for talking to me. <laughs> you did great. You were my therapist tonight. <laughs> That therapy, as Elaine called it, did her some good because, guys, after we stopped the podcast, on her own, Elaine walked down her hallway, pulled on the attic door, and climbed up. For the very first time since Harvey. It was not as terrifying as she thought. And, guys, that's really the story of Houston. The experience, although scary, wasn't one to slow us down. It didn't stop Houston from moving forward. Now, yes, it may take some time, sure, but we are doing it. We are rebuilding, we are recovering, and we are reminding the world what it means to be Houston strong. Thank you so much for listening. And before we go, can you do me a favor? If you enjoyed this conversation, can you rate and comment and subscribe to this podcast? Pretty please. It would mean the world to me. Until next week, be safe.